So with our eyes closed, welcome to our Palm Sunday service. And as today marks the sixth Sunday of Lent, let us understand what today is all about. It signifies of His victory, of His authority, of His power, and of His humility, and of His submission to the Father to die on the cross for us, where He enters Jerusalem knowing that He will face death. Wrongly accused, innocent as a lamb, can we as a church understand the season of where we are and what the season is all about? It represents understanding that Jesus Christ is the King. He is the Lord. He is the one who will die on the cross and He will save us from our sins to give us new life and new hope in this one life chance that we have. Let us sing. Let your glory fall in this room. Start with me. Start here in this place. Sing together, Father of creation.
Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here as Christian men and women of God. For you have called us to be courageous and to be warriors and to fight and to stand on the side of righteousness. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your providence. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for your pursuit. If it wasn't for your pursuit, where you left the 99, for that one, and we are, I am that one, we would not be here to be able to celebrate this beautiful day called Palm Sunday. I pray, God, as you transition to the message, Lord, may the words of my mouth and, Lord, may the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here in this room or for those who will be hearing in the recording, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. For, Lord, we declare today, not just today, but forevermore, until we take our final breath and for all of eternity. You are our rock. You are our Savior, you are our Redeemer, and you are our everything. We give you all the glory and all the honor. May your glory fall here in this place. Start with me. Start here in this place. Start with us, Lord. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. God's people pray. Amen and amen. Let's begin with today's title. Today's title is called Psalm 23. We're finally here. Verse 6, the last verse of Psalm 23. For he pursues us forever. Us, because it's not just about me, but it's about the group. It's about us, the body as a whole. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, Happy Palm Sunday. With that, let's go ahead and read verse 6 of Psalm 23. It says, Surely your goodness and love, in other words, in other translations, it says mercy and unfailing love will follow. In other words, it means pursue me. All the days of my life. And I will dwell, in other words, live. My dwelling will be, you're declaring, that your living place, the dwelling place, will be in the house of the Lord forever. So let's read that one more time. It says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And amen. And at this point, I hope you have memorized 1 Peter 2.25 where it says, For you are like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We're reminded through this psalm, Psalm 23, that Jesus Christ is our shepherd and we are his sheep. Sheep are those who follow Jesus Christ obediently, who are his disciples. They listen, they hear, they know the master's voice, and they follow him with all of their hearts. So with that, Palm Sunday reminds us, it should remind you as Christians, point number one, 
Christ will always pursue after us. Christ will always pursue after us. It's like the story of 99 for the one. Where he leaves the 99 for that one sheep, that one individual. The story of Jesus entering Jerusalem is the story of 99 for one. It's a story of Palm Sunday. It's a story of his pursuit towards us, to us, to a place in a dark world where we were lost as orphans. He came to rescue us. The story of today, Palm Sunday, of Jesus entering Jerusalem is the quintessential truth and the foundational truth to the Christian faith. For those who are found and alive in Christ, for you and for me, for us, it represents Christ's authority and Christ's agape love for us. So if you take a look at verse 6 of Psalm 23, the first section of verse 6, it says, Surely your goodness and love, other words, mercy, unfailing love, will follow, meaning pursue me for the remaining of my days, for all the days of my life, not just here on this earth, but for all of eternity. So let us all turn to Luke chapter 15. And I'll be using this chapter of Luke 15 to connect it to Psalm 23, verse 6. This chapter is divided into three different stories, and we're going to read it all together. You can follow with me. The first section is called the parable of the lost sheep. So you can write down in your notes, lost sheep. That's number one. Verse 3, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's number one, the first story of the lost sheep. The second story, just write down, lost coin. Verse 8, it says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the last story here found in Luke 15 is the lost son. That's number three. The parable of the lost son. Verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, 
give you my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. We understand that he's in a different region. He's not in a place of his own people. We understand this because of the context of pigs. The Jews do not associate with pigs, and it says he hired himself out to a citizen of that location, out and lost in a different country without a citizenship. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing and paid close attention to the older son. Check his attitude. Check his mentality. So he called one of the servants and asked them what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fan calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Pay attention to your emotions. Do not be in the house of God in your anger. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? Pay attention how the father responds. Very important. He says, my son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So when we read this, some people can take the story as 
why would Jesus abandon the 99 for that one? Then what happens to the 99? But this story is not about God abandoning the 99. The 99 are already safe. He told the son, he says, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. The son was caught up in his anger. He was caught up in his emotion, and he was comparing himself to others. In this case, particularly his younger brother. The 99 are safe. So was the oldest. The oldest was blessed as well. But he truly was the lost one, not really the youngest son. Because the scripture doesn't tell us how this individual responded. It's kind of like this. Imagine yourself being at home, and there's a father, and all of a sudden there's fire, and he has maybe five kids, right? And their name is Ra, Yoon, Arle, and Han. Is that five? No, that's four. And, and Andy. He goes and gathers all the children. There's the oldest, Han. He goes and he gathers. He helps his father to get the children out of the house. And all of a sudden, they realize the youngest, oh, no, Yoon. He's not here. Where's Yoon? Will he not leave the rest of his children when they're safe out on the grass? Not abandoning them, knowing that they're safe, knowing that they're with the firemen. Will not the father go and pursue that one lost individual? And should the children not rejoice when the lost son comes back? Should we not rejoice when there's repentance, when a sinner becomes saved? And they receive Jesus Christ. They have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So point number one, Palm Sunday, reminds us that Christ will always pursue after us. Not just me, but us as a whole. That when the lost comes back, when Jesus goes and he brings that lost individual back, we must rejoice. When there's repentance, there is rejoicing. And Palm Sunday reminds us, Again, Christ will always pursue after his children, after us. We are safe because there's never a moment where he will leave us alone. There's never a moment where we'll be lost under somewhere, under a couch, under a carpet, the lost coin. He will search until he finds it. He will search over mountains, over barren lands to pursue that lost sheep. And he will run after us when we repent and we run after him. But it's not because we do this, he does this, but because he first loved us. Because he has given us grace and mercy and the insight and the humility to repent. And that is why we're able to draw near to God. Don't forget that Christ will always pursue after us. It has always been true, 
it is true today and will continue to be true tomorrow and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Point number two. Palm Sunday reminds us we must always pursue after Christ. It's not just about Christ pursuing us, but we too must pursue after Christ. Are you pursuing after Christ today in your life as we speak? Let's take a look at the second part of verse 6. And it says, And I will dwell, meaning I will live, my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. Are you running towards God? Are you living and dwelling in the house of the Lord? Not just today, but for tomorrow and forevermore. The sub points here, letter A, run to Christ. Letter B, repent before Christ. Letter C, rejoice in Christ. So if you remember back to Luke 15, the scripture, the main passage that we just read, there is repentance, there is rejoicing. There is rejoicing when there is repentance, when there is running to who? To Christ, not to the world, not to our friends, not to the world, in the dark world, in the temptations of this world, but running to Christ, repenting before Christ, rejoicing in Christ. And we are able to do this. Remember, it's not because I pursue after Christ, that is why he pursues after me. We're getting it wrong. The foundation is 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. Because he loved you before you were created and you were created in the image of God. And because he loves you and because he has created you to have that connection with the living Father to know who your maker is. Because he loves you, that is why we're able to repent and run towards him and at the end ultimately to rejoice before the living God. And that is what Palm Sunday is all about. It's about Jesus making the way as he enters Jerusalem humble on a donkey, running in, going into Jerusalem, knowing that in a few days that he will face his demise, his death, his calling, his end to this earthly life. Fully man, fully God. Wrongly accused to die on the cross for us. And this Friday, on Good Friday service, we will discuss in detail about the gruesome death the pain and the persecution that he had to go through. And we're reminded here today that we are called to pursue after Jesus Christ. We must pursue after Christ today. Run to Christ. Repent before Christ. Rejoice in Christ. Again, we love because he first loved us. It is not, okay, if I love, then Christ will love me. No. Rather, it is because he first loved me, 
I am able to draw near to God. I am able to be here right now to worship Him, to receive His Word, to be able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We must say, because He died for me, I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. It's not because I changed myself, that is why He died for me. It's when I was still a sinner, dead in my transgressions, lost and dead out in the world, as an orphan, He came. And he died for me. But we were already dead in our transgressions. We're not able to redeem ourselves or save ourselves. We're already dead. Just like the show, zombie shows, walking dead. It's done. There is no hope for us. Without Christ, there is no hope for us. That's why the scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read 9 through 10. And then verse 12. 9 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. That we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Not that we love God. But that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. And amen. Remember 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. Amen. And last point, point number three. Palm Sunday reminds us we have one life and one chance to follow Christ. One life and one chance to follow Christ. You only get one shot. I know Yoon likes football, so during halftime shows, he was really excited, rapping his favorite song together. Right, Yoon? Different football, right? Not football. Okay. He likes the, the real football. There was no replay button, just like the movie Click. There was no rewind. You only get one chance at this, in this one life that we have. There's only one path, and that one path is Jesus Christ. There is no substitution. There is no, if I do good works, if I'm a good person, if I don't lie, if I don't cheat, if I don't do this, then maybe I'm saved. It's when we are still lost in our sins, it's when we were still sinners, Christ came and he died for us. And the answer right now, to the answer that you've been looking for, is Jesus Christ. Ask anyone who are Christians. Ask for their testimony. It was never when they were in a good place or they had it all together. It's when they were lost, out in the world, confused, full of temptation and attack from the enemy. It's when we were down and under. That's when Christ came 
and he rescued us. He rescued you when we're lost in our sins. There's only one path, and that one path is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 tells us this. The title says, Made Alive in Christ. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, because of his great love for you, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. And amen. We were deserving by nature wrath, the wrath of God. But our God, who is rich in mercy and love, he made us alive. He made you alive in Christ Jesus. When you're already dead and lost in your transgressions and your sins, in this one life that you have. So if you're sitting here, and if you're listening here today and you have a relationship with the Father and you understand what Palm Sunday is all about, you understand what Lent is all about, you understand what the season of Easter is all about, consider yourself blessed, so blessed out of all your family members, out of all your friends, out of all the relationships that you have, you are so blessed because you have the Father. You know Jesus Christ, and that is the greatest blessing that you'll ever receive in this one life that you have. And I'm closing with this and going back to the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem. As I said it in the beginning, is the story of our redemption is the story of Christ's victory 
and the reference of Palm Sunday, of when Jesus enters Jerusalem, is found in all of the Gospels. For your reference, is found in Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John chapter 12. But I'm going to choose my favorite version, which is Luke's version, because Luke is very descriptive. And if you could turn to Luke chapter 19 with me, and let's just understand what Palm Sunday is all about. Starting with verse 28, verse 40. As you listen, I want you to just visualize the story. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. Not lowercase k, king, but the king of kings. The Lord of lords. The Messiah. It says in verse 28, after Jesus has said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt, meaning a donkey, tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it. Just he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. The key word here is need. The Lord needs you. The Lord wants you. Verse 35, they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people, meaning in other words, crowd, spread their cloaks on the road. They're spreading their cloaks. Pay attention to the details. The colt, the cloak is on the colt. But the people, the crowd, they put their cloak not on the colt, but on the road. Verse 37, when it came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Remember, when there are miracles, people love it and they follow miracles. But miracles do not keep your faith alive. It is faith, and it is faith in Christ that keeps your faith alive. Verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Pay attention to the writing here. Is lowercase k, king, who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're like regular Christians. They know what to say. They know the lingo. They know the right words to speak. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, 
rebuke your disciples. And it ends with this. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. There's so much to unfold here, so much details here. Will we put our cloaks on the colt, on the donkey? Will we be like the donkey, humble and broken for the king to ride on top of us, to use us because he needs us? But being a Christian is a funny thing. Yes, God needs us, but he doesn't need us. He didn't create us because he was bored, because he needed a companion. He created us and he called you because he loves you. Because he cares for you and he has a plan and a purpose for you. That is why we serve him and we love him. God wants us. He doesn't just need us. And it makes it very clear where it says in verse 40, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. God can use anything. These objects, rocks that you see, trees that can praise Him and glorify Him. But you are so special. As human beings, we are set apart from all the animals and to the rest of the creation. When we worship God in spirit and truth, and we worship Him, there will be rejoicing. For Luke 15, it tells us that all heaven will rejoice when that one sinner repents, for there will be rejoicing in heaven. So going back to our point, we have one life and one chance to follow Christ. One path, and that is Jesus Christ. Life comes down to two categories. Can we turn to a neighbor and say, FF? Go, F. Go, F. What is FF, you ask? Letter A, fan. Letter B, follower. You're either a fan or you are a follower of Christ. You are a disciple of Christ or you are amongst the crowd putting your cloaks on the road. Lip service, lip worship. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But when push comes to shove, when you're the only one standing, there's nowhere to be found. A true disciple will follow Christ all the way. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. The people in the crowd are fans. 
And that is not where we want to be. They thought Jesus would come as a military leader in power and overthrow as countries overthrow other countries in power and might. They thought Jesus was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire establishment. But that is not the kind of leader that Jesus was. Yes, he came in power. Yes, he came in authority. But not in the way that the world had guessed. And in this world, we judge strength by looks, by what we see with our own eyes. Popularity looks, how many followers we have. But Jesus, he came in humility. Jesus came in obedience to the Father to go on the cross for us. For he and the Father are one. The scripture tells us, if you could look up on the screen, it says in Philippians 2, 6-8, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing but taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Continuing on, Isaiah 53, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before a shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And this is why, and it's for this reason alone, that we must follow Christ. Amen? Can we all declare with our voices, Matthew 16, 24, let's read together. Ready? One, two, three. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Let's continue on. Matthew 10, it says, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And lastly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May we declare today, as Paul declared, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let us understand what today is all about. For he pursues us forever, reminding us of his love 
as a shepherd. What was Psalm 23? And we're finally finishing up. Let's go from the beginning and read it to the end. Let's all read together. Ready? One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Recapping all the titles from the beginning to now. The first title was, we could form a sentence. My shepherd, lead me for your name's sake, for you are with me. Therefore, all praise him, for he pursues us forever. Amen and amen. And that concludes our psalm series. I pray that this week, during the Holy Week, the week before Easter, I pray that you would be reminded of Psalm 23, that you'd be reminded of who Christ is and his love for us. Know that he will pursue you forever. Know that we are called to pursue him forever and that we have one life and one chance to know Jesus Christ to live this one life that we have for him, for his honor, and for his glory. And this time, I'm going to ask the priest team to come up. At this time, I want to invite you to please stand up to your feet. Let's just make this song our worship, our prayer before the living God. Let's sing together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want.
Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. And amen, Lord, we declare, not just with our lips, but from the core of our soul and our spirit, we declare, God, that you are the King and you are the Messiah. And we see you, Jesus, as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. We declare, not just with our lips, but with everything we have, our soul, mind, and strength, we declare, God, I am your disciple. We are your disciple. You are our living hope. Without you, we have no hope. And we pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for just giving us this day. Just come here, Lord, and just listen to your word and just to praise you, Father. And Father, um, I just pray that as it's Palm Sunday, and I just thank you for the past six weeks of the messages that you gave us through Reverend Andrew. And I just pray that <clears throat> as Easter comes up this next week, that we just may always remember these six messages and to just keep them dearly and to always remember um, <clears throat> that you will always pursue us and that we must always pursue you back, Father, as you loved us first. And to finally, to just take our one life and this one chance to become a, a follower and not just a fan, but <clears throat> a follower who just truly believes in you and just thank, thanks you for all the amazing things you've done in our lives. And Father, um, I just ask that you just take this offering and so that we just may use it for your kingdom and to further your uh, amazing works, Father. Thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. sing it all together the path of life in Jesus and we'll do our benediction together
pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you to give you peace. And now may the unending pursuit, may the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that surpasses all the knowledge of this world, keep you and guide you and protect you forevermore. And as God's people we pray, amen. Amen. And amen.